Good morning, everyone. We're back together again. Amen. Let's stand together. We're here for one reason, and that's to praise the good God Almighty. Let's praise him. Let praise be a weapon. Go start praising. Y'all can sing that. Let praise be a weapon. Let praise be a weapon that silences the enemy. Let praise be a weapon that conquers all anxiety. Let it arise. Let praise arise. We sing your name. We sing your name in the dark and it changes everything, Lord. We sing with all we are. We claim your victory. Let it rise. Let it arise. Let praise arise. We see you break down every wall. Come on, church. Watch the giants fall. Let's break.
praise you, Lord. Oh, we're just gathered here to praise you, Lord. Here are our voices and our songs of praise and thank you. Let me out of the desert. Drop me into his streams, river of living water. Turn my bitter into sweet, and all my burdens are lifted. Took the shackles off my feet. Oh, there's no sound louder than a captive set free. What's your name?
your mercy and your forgiveness. We are now dead to sin. We were dead and then walking, but now we are dead to sin. We thank you, Jesus, for what you've done on the cross. So we join with the angels. We join with all heaven. We join with the world itself to sing your praise because only you are holy. We thank you and praise you. Nations rise and nations fall. God is Lord above them all. Rain, Jesus, rain. The kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of the risen sun. Rain, Jesus, rain. Let's declare it. We're declaring that your kingdom has come. We're declaring that your kingdom is
us sing, Lord. We join with the angels surrounding your throne of grace. All heaven itself sings only one name, the name that is above every name. Let's sing with the church. Can be seated. Father, Abba Father, it is our heart's desire. It is our passion. It is the, the driving thing within us, Lord, to know you, even as Paul said in Philippians 3, that I may know him, that I may know you, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, Lord, that we may know you, not only with our head, but with our hearts. So, Father, right now, even now, in this moment, we throw our hearts open to you. We declare our need of you. We need you. Father, these songs today, they're declarative in nature, Lord. And we honor you and worship you and lift you up on high. Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for being our Savior, for being our Lord, for being the one who 
made a way where there was no way. You came and you made a way. Jesus, you said yourself that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through and by you. Holy Spirit, our advocate, our comforter, our helper, our counselor, thank you for being with us. Thank you for pouring yourself out in us and upon us like fresh oil. And we receive of that today. Our goal, our heart, our desire, Lord, is to lift you up on high and exalt you that even as we exalt you, you literally make your home in our praise. You dwell in our worship. And Father, as we do so, as we lift you high, you lift us up out of the fray of this world. Out of the darkness, out of the craziness that we're experiencing right now, you give us the grace to live above the fray, to live above the line. And so, Lord, it's in that place, it's in that place that we meet you this morning. What a privilege to be here together as family, friends, as guests, to be in your presence. And for those online, we welcome them, bless them, encourage them wherever they might be. So we offer this up to you. We consecrate everything here today to you, Lord. In Jesus' amazing name we pray. Everyone said amen, amen and amen. I want to welcome you to the bridge. My name is Jimmy Pruitt. I'm the lead pastor here. And I just have to say, it is so good to see you folks. Can you give yourself a hand? My gosh, I'm giving you a hand. I don't like not meeting. I'm a church nerd. I've been one since I got saved at 18 years of age, gave my heart to Jesus, and I've been a church glutton ever since. I mean, I don't care what the world says about church. I don't care. I'm a church nerd. I'm a worship nerd. I'm a church glutton. I'm a worship glutton, and I'm also a people of God glutton, so I just can't. I love seeing you, so thank you for coming today. Thank you for walking in wisdom as we navigate all the craziness and the protocols. We want to be sensitive to each other and, and you know, ask before you hug or before, you know, you get bear hugged by Jason. Uh, just, just, you know, just ask. Throw an elbow up or whatever you got to do. Don't hurt anybody. Just, just let people know. So we're, we're here to walk in wisdom. But I'm telling you, whatever it takes for us to come together and to be together, to worship together and celebrate together, it's worth it all. It's worth it all. So thank you for being here today. If you are here and it's your first time and you're a guest, we want to welcome our first-time guests, not only here but online. Can we give our first-time guests a round of applause? Thanks for coming. If you'd like to give us your information, we'd love to get it. We'd love to know where people are from. You can stop by our Connection Center on the way out. There is a series of cards there. There's an opportunity for you to fill out a prayer request. We have a very active prayer ministry. We want to pray with you, stand with you, help hold your arms up through this time. And so you can fill that out, or you can fill out uh, the guest card. You'll see that contact card. Just fill out information. You'll see black boxes at all the exits and the doors. You can just drop it in there. We check all those after the service. We'll take care of it then. So if you'll do that, we'd love to have it. For those of you that are online, if you have a prayer request or a prayer need, do reach out to us, and you can in, uh, write us at info at bridgefdg.com. Send us your prayer request. We'll get that on the list with our others, and we will hold you up, lift you up, because we're here to stand with you. And, by the way, if you are watching online, welcome, and you are no less a part of this 
because you're not here. You're there, and let me tell you, the Spirit of God, the presence of God, the anointing of God knows no bounds. And so, thank God for technology when it works. Amen? So, uh, so thank you for being here with us. We're thrilled that you're here. And uh, it's also our privilege, being speaking of being a house of prayer, to pray for the other churches in our community. Everyone is going through this. Everyone's navigating this craziness and trying to figure out, do we open, do we not, and do we play it safe, is it risky, and who do you believe in the news, right? So, so we're all in this thing together. So I want to take a moment and pray for the other churches throughout the Hill Country that are trying to figure this next step out and figure out this. I'm not even going to call it a new normal. I refuse that. So I, I've, I'm done with that. It's, it's uh, whatever it is. Uh, we want to pray for one another and pray. This is beating in my heart right now, and, and you'll hear more about this in the coming days, but I believe that when there is a major setback, whether it's a pers- on a personal level or on a corporate level, I believe that that is just a setup for an amazing and audacious spiritual comeback. Don't you? Would you receive that today? So here's what I'm praying for. Amen. So I would ask you and invite you to join me. We're going to keep it simple. Would you pray for revival? Pray for revival. I am asking the Lord. I'm being very bold, very audacious. And I'm asking God to allow us to be an epicenter of revival. And I hope revivals break out in every church, in every city, throughout the hill country in Texas. But my my mentality is why not here and why not now? If there's ever a time where we need spiritual awakening, revival and outpouring, it's now. It's now. Beginning in August, about mid-August, leading up 40 days before September 26, give you a little heads up, we're going to start a series called 40 Days of Rain, R-E-I-G-N, 40 Days of Rain. Each week, we're going to talk about classic revivals, uh, William Seymour, Azusa Street. We're going to talk about uh, the Welsh revivals. We're talking about the Great Awakenings and what was common in those moves of God. Why didn't they sustain? And is it possible to build a culture of revival that sustains? I believe that's God's heart. I don't believe it was His will for, they to come, for them to come and go. And there are churches doing it. We're learning from the best. But I believe that this, this is our destiny. This is a part of the harvest, part of the harvest vision. So beginning, uh, uh, that'll be in, in August. September 26th will culminate in a, a simulcast event that we're going to host here called The Return. And it's headed up by uh, Jonathan Kahn, Amgrand Lotz, Robert Morris. The list goes on and on of great men and women in the world today that, that have their finger on the pulse of what God is up to. And we're going to have that simulcast right here in our worship center. And that 40 days is going to lead right up to that event where we're going to pray together corporately with churches around the world on that day, September 26th, for revival, for people to repent and return to God. Amen? You with us on that? All right, we'll be building up to that. You'll hear a lot about that. We're going to be doing daily prayers and getting those out online for you to be standing, be praying with us. Why not here? Why not now? That's my question. Amen? So, and why not us, right? So, as we pray this morning for our churches, let's, let's just pause for a moment and lift them up. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for every church in our community. I love and adore the pastors of this community, the ministers of this community, the staff and teams. Father, you have brought together such an amazing group of men and women 
who lead our churches here in Fredericksburg and and Harper and the Texas Hill Country. We are grateful for each and every one. We speak life over them. We declare life over them. We declare grace over them. We declare growth and increase over them. We pray for Destiny Church, which is a new launch in our own community. And we bless them. We lift up Pastor Matt Bell and their team from San Antonio that's, that's initiating this, this sort of reboot, this restart, relaunch of this precious church. Bless them. Encourage them. What a time to start a new church in the middle of a pandemic. I'm like, it's got to be God. So, Lord, we're going to lean in, trust, and bless them, encourage them, and help them in any way as we hold them up to you. We bless you, Lord. Thank you for the church of Jesus Christ throughout the hill country. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen Amen and amen. So we get to celebrate communion. We do that uh, during our service. Now, you may notice that you've got the the cups that have the two-in-one. So I'm going to take care of this little housekeeping before I even talk about communion. First of all, a little housekeeping here. These are, I call them adult-proof communion cups. And so it's almost as bad as the ketchup uh, things at Chick-fil-A. You know what I'm saying? See, parents struggling, kid grabs it, opens it right up, right? So here's what I want to invite you to do. I want you to take that out right now and prepare it. And if you'll notice, on the top, there's a wafer in there. And all you have to do is peel the top first. Be careful, there's two layers. If you peel the bottom first, you could very well launch your grape juice onto your neighbor. And we don't want to get to know our neighbors like that. Amen? So if you'll peel that top layer, it's a little tricky. That's why we're doing this all right now. I don't want to see you struggling while we're trying to do communion. So open that top layer. You'll have to see that wafer. Then crack ever so gently the second layer. Okay? We should make a video about this because a safety video, one of those safety videos. So uh, are you all okay? You getting there? Looks like some struggle here and there. It's all right. So I did this one time, confession time. I was struggling to get it open. I couldn't in time. So when they did the, the, I faked it. Have you ever done that? I could not. It was either launch it or I just acted like I did it. I said, Lord, you know my heart. So anyway, I'm just confession. So just in case I'm giving you an idea there, in case that happens to you. <laughs> Sorry, Mom. Annette's going, stop. All right. Father, we are blessed. Jesus said, do this to remember me. Do this to remember. When he was with his disciples on that night, he looked around the table and saw this community of growing, learning, not quite there yet disciples, and he loved them. He saw them with a love. He took bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body broken for you. Then he told them to take and eat and do it to remember me. And he picked up at that time a common cup, a goblet with wine. He said, this is my blood that will be poured out and spilled out for the forgiveness of sins for all. And then they passed the cup around together. Father, I'm grateful for our friends, our family here. And as we partake, we remember you. Even in the context of this worship, 
we do this to remember you. We also are generous so that we may honor you with our resources and all that you've blessed us with. So, Father, we also take our offering today. And in, in, a, in a sense, we hold it before you. We say, Lord, would you take this? Would you touch it? Would you bless it? Even as we honor you in giving, would you bless it so that as it goes out, it makes a difference? As it goes out, it changes things. As it goes out, lives are transformed. So, Father, as we partake of communion and as we worship through giving and generosity today, we honor you and we bless you. We're going to do worship during the context of this, and I'll invite you to go ahead and, at that point, go ahead and take and partake of the elements. You can do that right now if you'd like to do that. And then for our offering, we'll also do that together. And so you'll notice there's containers at each of the exits there. And you'll just take your offering at, while we're worshiping in just a moment, and you can take your offering and deposit. But do me a favor. Would you, before you drop it in there, just ask the Lord to bless it? Say, Lord, touch it, bless it. Send it where it needs to go. Those of you that are giving online, you can see on the screen, we've got the address there, the information there for you. And do bless that before you put it in. Amen. Father, we love you. We honor you. We offer our hearts and worship to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. When you're ready, you can stand with us. Come on. 
Church, please be seated. So I think there are a few of us who are going to relate to something I'm about to share. When I was much, much younger, growing up in West Texas, I grew up in Lubbock in the early days. Now, here's back in the day, families kind of stayed a lot closer together. We weren't quite the mobile society that we are now. So in my neighborhood on 37th and Flint in Lubbock, Texas, I, we lived in one house, and right next door, my grandparents lived right next door to us. Anybody have that situation? None of you had your grandparents? Oh, okay, there we go, a few hands. I bet, though, your grandmother didn't make Toll House cookies as good as mine. Just saying, it's, I might be impartial just a little bit. But uh, she just, she could, 
she made, and she always had a plate ready. It seemed like always had something ready for us. So me and my brother, we were always popping over to Granny's house right next door, stayed over there a lot. So we grew up together on the same block. Now, two more houses down, my cousins lived there. So this would have been my dad's sister, her husband, and kids. And there were three of them, Gary, Terry, and Todd. And so you've got Jimmy Dale, Jerry Don, Gary, Terry, and Todd. Across the street, you got Julie Heron, which I don't really like to talk about. I have issues with her. So, uh, and then down the street, we had uh, David and Dalton Williams. They were right across the street. And that didn't count all the kids that were moving in and out on the peripheral. But we had this quite a neighborhood, I'm telling you. It was very idyllic, actually. So I grew up that way. And, and you know, it's a little bit different back then because we would get up in the morning, especially during the summer, and we would say, see ya, mom. And she'd say, see ya, be careful. I'll have lunch ready. And we didn't see mom again until we got hungry. And then we'd be gone until dark, 30, which was around 9.15-ish during the summer, right? And we would literally be out all day long, all over the city, all over the neighborhood, up and down alleys. I am not going to tell you everything we did because it wasn't all healthy and safe. But I'll say this, it was a different day. And, you know, I mean, back then, if you stepped on a nail, you just, you may or may not go get a tetanus shot. You might just put some peroxide on it, some camphophenique, and keep going, right? Or if you got stung by a bunch of red wasp, or back in West Texas, we had yellow jackets. They were everywhere, and they were vicious and aggressive. And it was not unusual to come in with a cut from getting stepping on glass in the street because nobody wore shoes back then. So the neighborhood I grew up with or in was amazing. But we always played games, kid games, kid play. I mean, we were always doing something. But always, ultimately, we ended up back at hide-and-seek. And the whole neighborhood was game. We knew every crack, crevice, bush, fence, backyard of every neighbor, whether we should have been back there or not, we knew everything about that neighborhood. And what would happen? Okay, well, we'd start with somebody, you're it. And while they're it, they go over to a big old pecan tree or a big old weeping willow that was in Gary's yard, and they would lean over it and they'd count to 50. And while they're counting to 50 loudly, we're all what? We're scrambling, right? Looking for a place to hide. And then when he gets to 50, assuming he actually counted to 50, if it's some cheat, you know, they get to 30, 35, 50, you know. So once they got to 50, what would they say? Do you remember? Help me out. Ready or not, here I come. So we're going to do something today because I'm going to use that phrase a lot. So when I say ready or not, you say, so let's practice one time. Ready or not? Oh, good. Good job. All right. So you're with me on this. Now, so here I am, a young person. Around the age of about the sixth grade, I stepped over the line, gave my heart to Jesus initially, but it was more like an introduction where I met Jesus, was introduced, liked him, but then walked away for the next few years. So it really wasn't until I was 18 years of age that I truly stepped over the line, truly went all in and said, no, Jesus is my Savior. He's my Lord. So during all that time growing up, then, then life happened. Somebody moved off. We moved. Grandparents moved. We all ended up kind of going our different ways. And 
And the value of that neighborhood and the, the, the incredible, amazing opportunity to grow up together sort of drifted away. Just as kids played that game, hide and seek, and then we would shout out, ready or not? Did you know in, we're not kids anymore, right? You know, the stakes were, you know, kind of neighborhood glory and fame, right? I mean, you know, you got, you got juice on the neighborhood if you were the ones who won. Now, the, the thing about our game is that when somebody lost, we would dogpile them. You remember what a dogpile is? So you did not want to be on the losing end of that game. But the stakes weren't that high, you know, neighborhood glory. But we grew up. And now the stakes for hide-and-seek are now life and death. Because we have a Savior who, in a very real sense, is counting down. Or maybe counting up, depending on your perspective. Things are either winding up or they're winding down, one or the other. And you know what he's saying? Ready or not, do you believe in the second coming of Christ? Do you believe that he's coming again? Here's what I believe about it. We are one week closer to it than we were last Sunday. We're one day closer than yesterday. And we're 10 minutes closer than when I started this thing. We are getting there. And no one knows the day or the hour, but we are getting there. But make no mistake, he's coming back. And the question is this, ready or not, So I have an honest question for you, very transparent. Are you ready? I think I'm more than ready. I've been saying, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, please, come quickly. I'm crying out for him to return. But let me tell you how I'm crying out. I'm not talking about I want this thing to all, all go away. I'm crying out for revival. I'm crying out for spiritual awakening. I'm crying out for a rebirth. And that the church, the sleeping giant, would wake up. Now listen, I don't know what y'all think about some things, but I, I have to be just, I got to be me. I can't be anybody else. And every once in a while, the Lord lets me get a glimpse of something. And, it, you know, sometimes it's real defined and clear. Other times it's sort of a story that morphs as I'm talking about it. And, and last week, something interesting happened to me. It was around July 4th. Our, our, we, we live in an agri-hood, don't we, Falling Water folks? we got a contingent here. So we live in an agri-hood. I love it. And it's so amazing because we did a July 4th parade on our own since, uh, you know, communities weren't doing it. We did it anyway. And I heard of many others that did it. I know Matt and them sponsored one here in the city. So amazing things, beautiful things happened. But about that time, I had this interesting vision sight thing where I saw a picture of the enemy poking a bear that was in hibernation and asleep. And the picture is really interesting. This creature, devil, whatever, was poking with his bony finger, and he was turning to all of his companions, his compadres, and saying, see, see, it's asleep. And he keeps doing this, and in my little vignette vision there, one time while he was looking away and saying, see, he's asleep when he turned back. 
I've seen way too many grizzly bear movies over the years, you know what I'm saying? And it was that. That's all I'm going to say about that. The enemy was no more because a sleeping bear woke up. The sleeping giant woke up. Listen, I'm not a prophet in the line of Jeremiah, Isaiah, or Ezekiel, but it doesn't take a prophet to begin to see that things are either winding up or winding down. Can I get an amen? Something's up. I love C.S. or or Tolkien and all those, but Aslan is on the move. Something is moving. There is movement happening right now. And here's what I believe about movement. Movement's going to happen whether I get on board or not. I don't want to miss the movement that's happening right now. That means I have to be aware, I have to be alert, and I have to be watching. Now, I've been spending more time recently in the back half of the Gospels. I'm big on the front half. Read the red, pray for the power, man. Let's, let's get Jesus' words. But did you know there's red in the back too? Did you know in, in, uh, in Matthew 24 and 25, Mark 16, there's red all over the back end of that thing. And I've been spending a lot of time in Matthew 24 and 25, and oh my goodness, ready or not, talked about it a few times here about what we need right now, what is needed now, and I mentioned this a few weeks ago, we need the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits, we need to see what is going on behind what's happening in our world right now, because it is so easy to get mad at people groups and people and stuff and miss that there is something driving all of that. We need wisdom. We need knowledge. We need discernment. I told Annette recently, this week, I said, I feel like God is drawing me back to some basics. It's so easy to advance and move forward. And if we're not careful, we don't do it on purpose. We start getting what we think is more mature as we grow in the Lord, and we sort of put things in the back. For example, you don't hear hell talked about much lately. Have you noticed that in churches? I've noticed it because I haven't talked about it much here. And I'm repenting of that today, by the way. So we have, we preach heaven without hell. We preach, we preach salvation without repentance because that's another bad word right now. You know, I got, I got completely blown up on social media because I talked about repentance. And all of my friends, <laughs> my Christian friends, were like, wait a minute, you don't want to mix Old Testament and New and Covenant and Law and Grace. And I was like, whoa, whoa. Since when and what world did I wake up at where Christians now are crucifying me for using the word repentance? Don't we need to turn? Well, for all of you out in worldwide web land just so you know I'm going to keep talking about repentance because you need to turn and I need to continue to turn living a life of repentance let me tell you what repentance is not it's not groveling at the altar repentance is turning away from the old and turning to we get caught up on the turning away from when really it's more about turning to him than it is turning away from that so when we get that right you realize repentance isn't a guy standing on a street corner with a planet you know a placard saying repent for the end is near, it's more like turn to Jesus, turn to God, let him have the old stuff. Turn away from, but turn to. I'm emphasizing the to of returning instead of the away from. 
So before you crucify me, can we just get our terms straight? We've got to begin talking about some of the foundations of our faith because in contemporary modern church life, especially here in America, a lot of those have eroded away because they're just unpleasant to talk about. How about the end times? Now listen, I'm not, I'm not an eschatologist. I'm not one of those. I'm not an eschatological theologian. We'll just put it that way. Eschatology, the study of the end times. Here's what I know. It's coming. He's coming. Ready or not, he's coming. Make no mistake. So you're not going to see me putting up charts that are as big as the stage back here with a timeline of events because those are very subjective in nature. But here's what I'm hoping is true. As I've been studying, reacquainting myself with some of the various eschatological views, one of them is a post-tribulation rapture. And that means that we are going to go through the seven-year tribulation, which is basically hell on earth. And as we go through that, then we're going to get airlifted, beam me up Scotty after the fact. I hope they're wrong. Because there's also another view, which is pre-tribulation, and that is pre-trib rapture, which means, by the way, the word rapture is not in the Bible, but being taken up with him into the clouds is. That's what it means. Pre-tribulation means that there's a seven-year tribulation coming, and pre-trib rapture means we're going up, we're being airlifted and beamed up out of here before the tribulation. I vote for that one. However, amen, whether it's pre, post, and there's a mid-trib version, there's something for everybody. So whether it's pre, post, or mid, I don't care. Well, I kind of do. I want it to be pre. I care in that. But at the end of the day, ready or not, and I believe we're getting closer than, we're obviously closer than we've ever been, right? Just say what it is. Just by nature, the reality. So we have to talk about these things. We have to not be ashamed of what the Bible talks about. If the Bible talks about hell, we don't, we don't need to be coy or shy or reserved or conservative about that. We need to let people know that if they do not turn to Jesus and give their heart to Christ, and are born from above, the Bible calls it spiritually born, born again, then they will end up in a place they don't want to be. Separated from God, separated from Christ, separated from hope for eternity. And we need to not be shy or ashamed to say what needs to be said. Can I get an amen? amen. So I want to share something with you out of Matthew chapter 24, we covered a little bit of this, but I'm going to move forward. Jesus, at the end of, the, of that gospel, begins to share a series of parables, stories, about the end time and what is coming. Listen to this, Matthew chapter 24, verse 36. Jesus speaking says this, No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Heads up, only the Father knows. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Do you remember what happened in the days of Noah? They thought Noah was a fruitcake. He did look pretty crazy building a boat in the desert, right? 
But they had to begin to wonder when all these animals start showing up supernaturally, like, what, what are these? There, there's lions and tigers and bears and all this stuff showing up. Some of you got that reference. And they're showing up, and people had to begin to wonder, what is going on? Noah's really lost it now. He's over the edge. Now he's filling that thing up with animals. But there had been warnings. And when the rain started and the door closed, the door was shut. Can you imagine the horror in those next few hours as the water level rose? And they ran out of trees to climb up. Not a lot of trees in the desert in the east. Not a lot of high ground they could run to. And it was too late. Why? Ready or not. Matthew. Well, listen to the ver last verse. It says, As it is in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Verse 42. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. Ready or not. Listen, that word keep watch, I did a little study on that because I was curious, what does keep watch mean? It literally means to stay awake. Stay awake. Do not be found sleeping. And I believe right now we're seeing warning shots over the bow. I'm not a prophet, but I can read. I may not be a prophet like Isaiah, but I can watch. And I may not be a prophet like Jeremiah, but I can pray. And I'm telling you, there is an urgency rising up in my heart and my spirit like I've never had in my entire lifetime. Something's up. Something's up. Matthew 25, it goes right into the next parable. Now listen to this. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. So Jesus just sets up a picture here. Ten virgins, ten brides to go meet their bridegroom. And there's 10 of them, and they go out with their lamps. That's significant in the Jewish wedding ceremony. Verse 2, five of them were foolish and five were wise. Take note, verse 3. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The word oil in reference to, in Scripture, when you see the word oil, it's in reference to the presence of God, the power of God, the anointing. The presence, the power, the purpose of God. It's Him. It's His Spirit. And oil always refers to that. When David was anointed the king of Israel, he was anointed by the pouring of oil over his head that ran down. And he was anointed with the presence. It was a representation of the presence. Their oil, their lamps, they didn't take any oil with them. The wise, verse 4, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. Not only did they fill their lamps, they had containers with them, and every container they had, they filled. The Scripture says we're to ever be filled with the Spirit, to be continually filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. It says do not be drunk with wine, that's dissipation, but be filled, be continually filled with the Spirit, the Spirit of God. The wise took oil in jars along with their lamps. Verse 5, the bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy. And fell asleep. What did Jesus just say before? Keep watch. Don't go to sleep. And now what happens is because of a length of time, there was a stall. There was a period of time where it didn't seem like anything is happening. We'll read this in a minute in Thessalonians where they're crying out, peace and safety. Peace. It's all good. Everything's great. 
says, don't fall asleep. In other words, don't be unaware. In fact, that same keep watch means don't be asleep and keep vigilance. Be vigilant. That means be on alert. Be watching. They became drowsy and fell asleep. Verse 6, at midnight the cry rang out. Here's the bridegroom. Come to meet him. Ready or not. Verse 7, then all the virgins woke up, trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. See, they had not prepared. They were not ready. Verse 9, no, they replied. There may not be enough for both of us, both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. You know, this reminds me of, I used to race bicycles back in the day. I did tours, I did races uh, all over Texas. And I learned something about hydration. If you wait to drink when it's 100 degrees outside, if you wait until you're thirsty to drink, it's too late. You're already dehydrated. And you can spend the next bit of time guzzling and trying to catch up, but you never quite catch up once you've hit rehab, once you once you're dehydrated. It's difficult to be hydrated at that point. This reminds me of them. They were out and so they scramble off at midnight, the middle of the night, trying to wake somebody up so they could get oil for their lamps. Look what happens. On their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. Ready or not, the virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was what, family? Shut. It is so unpopular right now to talk about this. But there comes a time when the door will be shut. And how long will we play around with this? How long will we not take this seriously? How long will we go about our lives with Jesus as an addendum to the book instead of the content of the whole book? How long will we put off doing what we know we should do simply because we're getting drowsy and sleepy and he seems to be taking a long time? Because it's so easy to rationalize. Well, you know, back in World War I and II, I'm sure, certainly, certainly they thought he was coming back then and the apocalypse was happening. Can you imagine being in Japan when the bombs dropped? Can you imagine? There were Christians in Japan. Can you imagine them thinking, this is it? This is it. This is over. This is what the Bible talked about. So it's easy to reason, rationalize why, because of these cataclysmic events, people of that time rationalized, this must be it. It's so easy now. We're almost Pavlov trained to, well, it didn't happen then, and then he didn't have to come then, and how many people have come along saying it's about to happen and it hasn't happened, and we can lull ourselves to sleep and to think in terms of, well, he's not coming in my lifetime. You know what the blessed hope of the follower of Jesus is? Is that he does come in our lifetime. We don't have to be scared of the tribulation and be scared of all that end time stuff. Fire and sulfur and ten-headed dragons, if you read the book of Revelation. Whoa. We don't have to be afraid of that stuff because whatever comes our way, there is grace for it when you're in Christ. Whatever comes our way, there is grace for it. This season we're in right now, 
you're a follower of Jesus, you're leaning into him, you're saying, help me, Lord. Help me, Jesus. You know what he's doing? He's helping you. He's helping you. You will get through this. You will make it. You will not fall. Because he will carry you through. There is grace for what you're going through in any season. Don't think there won't be grace for all this. So for us to think, well, just wait and maybe it'll come in another lifetime because I don't know if I really want. No, what you're saying is I'm not ready. And he is warning us, get ready. Ready or not. Look what happens. And the door was shut. Verse 11, later the others also came. Sir, sir, they said, open the door. So they went and got their oil. But what they don't realize is that it's already done. By the time they get the oil and round up what they need and wake up merchants to get what they need and get back, the door is shut. Look what happens. Open the door for us, verse 12. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. Wow. I don't know you. I don't know who you are. You know, when I first became a Christian, I'm not going to lie to you, I was scared of hell. When I was a young person, I actually was invited to a movie at church, and it was called A Thief in the Night. Anybody remember that movie? That movie was designed to, pardon my French, but this is the reality of it, because it's actually what it was designed to do. It was designed to scare the hell out of you. That's what it was designed to do. And I'm telling you, it worked. I was like, no. What is this? I don't want to be one of those people. The methodology may not have been the best, but I'm telling you, there's some truth to this that we've got to understand. He's coming back, and he's telling us. Jesus himself is saying, get ready, get ready, get ready, be prepared, have your lamps full. Be full of me, full of the Spirit, full of my prayer. Be ready. Get ready. What he says is, I don't know you. I was scared that he might not know me. That's not an all bad fear. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Listen to this. Verse 13. Therefore, keep watch. There it is again. He says it again. Stay awake. Stay alert. Be vigilant. God, so easy to blow this off. Whatever. Keep watch because you don't know the day or the hour. 1 Thessalonians 5. We'll end with this. I want the worship team to go ahead and make their way up. We're going to end with worship. Verse 1. 1 Thessalonians 5, Now, brothers, about the times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like, there's a scary movie title, Thief in the Night. Jesus himself says, this is how it's going to happen. Actually, it's Paul saying, this is how it's going to happen. Paul, picking up on Jesus' warning, says this is what's going to happen. Verse 3, while people are saying, peace and safety, Destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. If we stop there, this would be very depressing. But it goes on. 
Verse 4, but you, brothers, you are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. Now he's talking to those who are followers of Christ. Those of you who are in the family, listen, he's saying, don't lose your mind over this. Ready or not, he's saying, don't lose your mind over this, but you're not in the darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. Let me tell you, I believe with my heart that we're beginning to see the crack of dawn come up in this darkness. Listen, I was in Nashville two weeks ago, and what, what you may not know about Nashville is that the sun comes up. They're in the very edge of the time zone. It's a worse location geographically for that because the sun starts to come up at about 445. I feel like I'm in Alaska or something. No knock on the McClellans here. I feel like, what? So I'd forgotten about that until we went back to Nashville. And the sun it starts getting bright. And I'm like, oh, it must be 7 o'clock. 4.45. What happens when the dawn breaks? We what? Wake up. I believe the dawn is breaking right now on this world, on this scene. And that darkness will be dispelled and displaced by light. Do you believe that, family? says this, you're not like that. You're sons of light. You don't belong to darkness. Verse 6, so then let us not be like others who are asleep. Turn to your neighbor and just say, wake up. Just, just do it in love. Just say, wake up. Especially if they're sleeping right now in church. But it, otherwise, we need to wake up in the bigger sense, right? But let us be alert. There he is, vigilant, alert, and self-controlled. Ready or not, Family, he's coming. He's coming. It may not be this week. It may not be the next. It may not be for another year or five. But may no, make no mistake, about the time when we think he's not coming, surprise, he's coming. And here's my question for you today. Are you ready? Are you prepared? When I was a young Christian, you have to understand, I came up in the Southern Baptist world, so boy, those preachers could, man, they could bring the heat when they wanted to. You could smell sulfur in the air sometimes when they were preaching, especially at our little revivals. But they used to say something, and I believe it's true. They would say this, they'd say, if your heart is beating inside of your chest, you can feel it. If your pulse is accelerated because of what you've heard today, if you sense that God is moving, this is speaking to you, that is the Holy Spirit. And they would use this language. That is God wooing you by His Spirit to come to Jesus. So you know what I'm going to do right now? I'm going to go old school. Then we're going to have a potluck after. No, I'm kidding. I'm going back in time. We're going to have a potluck. on Dinner on the grounds. All right. It's good times. Beautiful times. But here's the deal. I believe the Spirit of God's wooing you. Those of you that are watching right now online, let me, let me just issue the same invitation to you. Right where you are, wherever you're watching, or maybe you're watching this later. But I want you to know something. The Spirit of God is wooing you. He's calling you. Your heart's beating a little faster. That means there's a decision to be made. There's something to be done in response to hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus died for your sins. He gave his heart. He gave his life. He 
He shed his blood on a cross for you. Now, we, we have a lot of traditions represented here. We have, we're a smorgasbord of the body of Christ, which is beautiful. It's the tapestry of God. And your tradition may or may not have talked like this. Maybe you haven't heard the gospel like this. There comes a point in a person's life, and it's a point of decision. The Greek construct of the word salvation actually is punctiliar in nature. nature. And what that means is that there is a point of time, and then it goes linear. So there's a point in time where you are born again. You step over the line. You go all in, and you're born of the Spirit, born from above. And that's punctiliar. That's a Greek grammatical expression. It's punctiliar in nature. So it's in this point in time. I can point to a scale, a a timeline, and say, at 18 and a half, sometime about May 22nd or 3rd, I prayed and I gave my life to Jesus. And the trajectory of my eternity was changed. And I've never been the same. I know when that punctiliar moment happened for me. I know where my eternity began. Do you? Do you? Can you point back and say, I know in my knower that on that day, on that night, at that place, that is when I gave my life to Jesus. And that was when, that was the moment I told people, I am saved. I'm born again. I'm a child of God. And then I followed the Lord in believer's baptism. It's believer's baptism, family. Peter was clear. When the Jews cried out and said, what must we do? He said, repent for the forgiveness of your sins. Be baptized. And there was a third step, which we sometimes ignore. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because you don't need a gun with no ammo. What's the point? You don't need a car without gasoline. You need the Spirit of God to give you the energy to do exactly what God has designed you to do, created you to do. So I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet, and we're going to pray a prayer together. And there will be some of you here today and some of you online watching. This will be the first time you've prayed this prayer. And what you're saying by praying this prayer with me is that you are going all in, that you are giving your heart and life to Jesus. You may have been in church all your life, but attending church doesn't make you a Christian any more than walking into a McDonald's turns you into a Big Mac. I say that in love. It's not by association. It is by receiving. Saying, yes, I take that for me. I take that for myself. I prayed for you today. I said, God, God, give us souls. God, give us, give us people to turn their lives over to Jesus. Time is shorter than it's ever been. Why wait? Why wait? What are you waiting for? I don't want to wait and the door shuts. I want to be the first one at the door with my lamp, my oil going, I'm in. I'm in. I'm not playing with it. Would you pray with me? Just bow your heads right now. And for you, you're saying, man, that's me. I'm ready. I'm going to do this today. I'm going to get this done. For you online, same thing. 
pray with me? Join me in this prayer. We're going to pray a simple prayer. But you make it yours. You own it for you. To pray this with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Thank you for dying on a cross for me. I believe you gave yourself for me and for my sins. Jesus, I repent of my sin. I turn away from my old life and I turn to you in my new life. Jesus, I want to be born again. I want to be saved. And I receive you as my Lord as my Savior. I give you my past, my present, and my future. Use me as you will for your purposes. Jesus, thank you for saving me. I'll never be the same. Not ever. Not ever. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time today, and you meant that, you're saying, I'm all in, I'm going, I'm going, I'm not the same, then do me a favor. Jeff, Pastor Jeffrey is going to be in the prayer room or on the way out. And you can just stop by there and say, Pastor Jeffrey, I gave my heart to Jesus today. I did it. I stepped over the line. I went all in. And just let him just encourage you, give you just a brief prayer. We want to be here to walk with you into discipleship, into the next thing. For those of you online, if you did that online, and I know you did, I know there are many who did, I'm going to invite you to just write us at info at bridgefbg.com and let us know that you pray that you gave your heart to Jesus. And we want to pray for you and encourage you in any way we can. Any way we can. Ready or not. Let's worship together on the way out.
cup full this morning will go overflow the world needs Jesus amen you're dismissed